Welcome to the Chatter in the Box podcast, where your hosts, Liam Skiffington and Matt Indominico, discuss all things baseball. From breaking news to the latest free agent signings, they'll dive into today's game with some of the top minds from around the league. You can catch the latest episode of the Chatter in the Box podcast on Apple Music, Spotify, or Amazon Music, or visit our website at www.chatterinthebox.com. So, Matt, we are now joined by Josh Lindblom, 15-year professional baseball veteran, spent last year with Nashville and a little bit up with Milwaukee. Yeah, we're excited to have you, Josh. Thanks for joining and uh, stepping in the box with us. How are you doing today? Yeah, I'm doing good. How about you all? Fantastic, man. Can't complain. Can't, Can't complain. complain. Josh, you just texted me earlier. You were at batting practice. Was that for your son? No, basketball. Yeah. Oh, oh, okay. I'm sorry. I must have misread that. I'm switching over, I guess. I'm doing basketball. I, I feel like I coach basketball eight nights a week right now so hold your son yeah well so i coach on mondays i coach our six-year-old daughter on tuesdays i coach our nine-year-old daughter on wednesdays i coach our eight-year-old son we have another practice for our nine-year-old daughter on thursdays and we get fridays our off day for the saturday sunday grind of about six games so so you got a full-time job there on your i mean it's yeah it's way too hot but I thought you just retired, Josh. I mean, no gas money. My kids aren't giving me any gas money driving them around. Like, <laughs> it's a shame. We got to start doing something. Yeah. Know? Yeah. All right, Josh. So I was telling Matt this a little before the show. I let me, I want to take you back to before opening day in Nashville this last year. Okay. I don't know if you remember this or not, but my videographer, Mark, and I were at Media Day. Mm-hmm. We're watching bullpens, we're watching BP, we're watching the guy take in infield, outfield, all that stuff. So we're hanging out over by the bullpen. You kind of start talking to us and you're, you're introducing players, not necessarily to us, but you're just like pointing out players saying like, oh, this guy's like the number one prospect, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> we were brand new. So my question for you is once I got home, I obviously did more research and realized that you were messing with us the entire time. So have you always been just like a jokester in the clubhouse? Yeah, I have been. I'm sorry. You guys were, I mean, you all were sitting ducks, you know, <laughs> I, could, I could just feel, I could feel the tension. You know, it's an, it's an intimidating place to be for your first time. Did we look like newbies? I mean, I'm, you didn't look, everyone looks like a newbie. You know, I can't, you know, not a ton of media there either. Yeah, not a ton of media, but I, I do remember that, you know, but you knew now, you know, now, you know, not to talk to me. And then, you know, fast forward 10 months, I'm hanging out with you again. <laughs> <laughs> we love it. We love, love it. That. So Josh, you were drafted in 2005 by Houston, Houston, yep. and you elected not to sign. What went into that decision not to sign? Man, a lot. And that was it's always funny talking with kids about the draft now because like now there's like a hard deadline when you have to sign. When I got drafted, you just couldn't go to your first class on a college campus. And so I remember it was like I had this I was at U- University of Tennessee. I had this math class on this hill at like nine in the morning and like 845. I get a call from Houston's GM and they're making like a last ditch effort to have me sign. So I mean, it like literally went down to the wire. But looking back, I just wasn't ready. I was I was 17 years old. I was really immature and probably the best thing for me to go to college like I look back at my development through college and like that's I needed that did you make that decision for yourself well obviously you did but were there other people that were kind of playing a role in your decision to stay yeah it was uh I mean obviously the college coach wants you to stay I mean why not um but really I mean my family really my dad my mom but my you know my parents really kind of left the decision up to me I mean they were there if I needed a sounding board but they were like look like this is your decision and we're going to support you any way that you go but I'd say my family primarily 
And uh, Josh, you know, in, in baseball in particular, I mean, it's the same with really every sport, but I, I think in baseball, this sticks out more when players mature uh, at different mm-hmm. ages. You know, you mm-hmm. can have a guy that could be pro ready at 17, mm-hmm. but it might take him, you know, maybe 10 more or some other people, 10 more years to be ready for the pros. Yeah. When did you realize and wake up one day and be like, wow, I think I actually got a shot at this. I got a shot to go pro. You know, I don't know. I think maybe like my junior year of high school, maybe. You know, I think there's this like weird progression where it's like, you know, you're the best kid like in your little league. Sure. And then then you go to like the county tournament and it's like, well, I'm the best player in my county tournament. And then like the world just like progressively gets bigger and bigger. Mm-hmm. And then you have these doubts where it's like, am I good enough? You know, I remember going the summer team that I played for the Indiana Bulls. So go travel for the Indiana Bulls. Like, am I good enough to play for the Indiana Bulls? This is like, you know, Indiana, one of the elite travel teams. You know, our, our travel team was me, Lance Lynn, and Tommy Hunter was our rotation. Mm-hmm. And but as my world got progressively bigger, and I think the first time that I realized like I probably had a chance at this was I made the area code team. And so area code was like a humongous deal when I was that was like the premier prospect, you know, camp or tournament. So I made that and I was like, I might actually be pretty good. Like I'm here competing with these guys. So very nice. So Josh, you did just a couple of weeks ago announce your retirement from baseball. Have you put in your papers? Like is everything official or did you leave the door open? I don't, for I don't what's the back? process? I mean, I don't I honestly don't know. I, I thought it was just like <laughs> Is there you have to like submit papers? I think you do. I mean, don't take my word for gospel, but I I'm pretty oh, sure well. you do to officially be retired. Oh, I, don't, I, I could be wrong though. I'm not sure. You're, oh, well, I'm not coming back. I know that. <laughs> okay. All right. There we have it. I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure pitchers and catchers reporting about yeah, I mean, I, not this year. It's not, I, I, I haven't touched a baseball since October, since the, um, the triple A world series, my bullpen. Josh, how so, did you, after 15 years, 30 years playing the game, how did you know it was finally time to hang them up and say goodbye? You know, it's, I was on a podcast last week and I was joking around and they were like, when did you know? And I'm like, if I'm being honest with you, like last February, I probably knew I was done. Mm. I just didn't say anything. But there was like one vivid when I like knew. So the summer was in July. My grandfather passed away and Rick Sweet was like, hey, go home, be home all week. Like be with your family, stay with your family. We don't need you. We have extra pitching. Don't worry about coming back. So I left like Sunday after a game. I pitched on a Sunday and then I was able to come home that whole week. It was like Wednesday or Thursday. And my kids wanted to go to the baseball field and softball fields for like some early ground balls. So games at five, we go up about 345 or four. And here I am, I'm hitting my kids ground balls on the fields that I grew up playing on, getting ready to watch them. And like life is like full circle. And in that moment, I was like, man, like the season is not done by any means, but like, I'm done. Like, this is where I want to be. So it was like, honestly, it wasn't like a difficult decision. Like there wasn't a lot of Mm -hmm. wrestling, you know, like you said, like there really was, it was like, yeah, I'm I'm done. Mm -hmm. So your last game, Josh, did you did you know your last game was your last game? Um, I mean, yes and no. You know, there was always that possibility where I was going to pitch because we were going in the postseason. Yep. There's always that possibility that I had one more start. So it was either going to be that one or it was going to be the Triple A championship. So you know that one, I can't remember. I think we clinch. Did we clinch that day? We had a clinch that day. I think so. Yeah. I pitched. Yeah. So I mean, my last like. I would say my last like three, I mean, that last month, really, it was like, 
<laughs> the last time. And that's probably has a lot why I pitched so well. Because I was like, this might be the last time I get to do this. And put out on the field. Love yeah, that. let it all hang out. Mm-hmm. Did you do anything like, I know a lot of guys will like leave their cleats or something on the mound. Did you do anything like that after that game? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, I didn't. No. I uh, drank a little champagne in the clubhouse. Maybe. Because why not? Yeah, why not? But mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Josh, you mentioned, I, I like how you brought up like, you know, hitting ground balls to your kids. We actually spoke with Josh Kuzu, the mental health coordinator for the Rays yesterday. Um, and we were talking about how difficult it is to, you know, manage being away from your families for, you know, a yeah. time, you know, throughout the season. I know you spent some time over in Korea. Can you talk a little bit about the time that you spent away from your family? How difficult was that? How did you manage that for, you know, other people that are going through the same thing as you? Because yeah. I know you're a family guy. Yeah, my, uh, so my wife and I, the one, the one commitment we always made as I was playing was we always said we would always keep our family together while I was playing. And so when I was in Korea, they were with me. This summer was actually the first summer that they weren't with me. And, you know, that probably had something to do with me wanting to be done, too. Uh, you know, when our kids were four, five, six years old, they really didn't have, like, lives. You know, they didn't have friends. They didn't have activities. They didn't have stuff to do. But this summer was, like, the first summer. It was, like, everyone's in organized sports. They've got friends they want to hang out with. It's, like, summer break. You want to go to the pool. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I missed out on a lot of that. And so, I mean, it is, it does take a toll on you. You know, here I am, you know, sitting in a studio apartment, holding my socks in Nashville by myself and just feeling like I'm, I could be better off use at home. So it's, I mean, it's a hard, hard balance for guys and it's, yeah, it's tough. Usually it's not even stuff on the field for, for guys. It's stuff, the stuff off the field that affects the uh, on-field performance. Josh, you mentioned the uh, playing over in Korea. You were in the KBO for about five years. Can you describe a little bit for the audience just the differences you've seen between the KBO and MLB? What isn't different? Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's a we could do a whole other podcast on that. You know, you're not. I mean, one of the biggest things is you're not competing with really with any other sports. Mm -hmm. You know, in Korea, the biggest sport is baseball. There's, you know, soccer's big because of I think it's Sone maybe that's in the Premier League, but like it's players, it's not teams so like every night like national television you know the cbs the fox or whatever it is in korea equivalent baseball's on and you've got 10 teams you've got 30 foreign players so like you show up and you are literally a superstar everyone knows who you are you're walking around um so it's just i mean it's it's a lot different and then the atmospheres are different it's a lot more like winter ball i'd say i never played winter ball watching some of the winter ball videos it's singing songs the whole time it's pretty hype so josh are you saying in during your time in korea you were kind of like the man would you be more likely to be recognized walking down the street as a baseball player in korea you can say i mean nashville i was like the man in nashville too so it's like it was like me Liam thinks he is too, but yeah, it was like me and Derrick Henry, you know, it was like Mm -hmm. synonymous pretty much. Yeah. yeah, Like one and two. (laughs) And then, you know, maybe some of the Vanderbilt baseball players, but Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, I mean, I always joke around. This is the one touch point I have. And these pictures are, they're filed away. So you won't get them. There's no way you will find them. Okay. But I was in Korean GQ magazine. So Mm -hmm. that's a pretty big deal. I know. You, you, were, you say that with confidence that there's no way that we um, were. I'm, man, you're going to have to dig deep for those things. You're going to have to like learn Korean or know no. somebody that's Korean to find those. Do you things. have a Korean phrase for us that you could share? Like a clean one? No. Uh, whatever you prefer. Uh, yeah. No one's going to know what you're saying. So a lot of the Korean guys thought it was funny. So MOBA, like MOBA, is like, what are you looking at? Mm-hmm. So like my friends on other teams and stuff, like, you know, they'd get a hit or whatever and I would yell across the field. I'd be like, MOBA, what are you looking at? What are you looking at? <laughs> so that was all 
Mold let's up. go. Let's rewind this a little bit. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Right. How did you get to be in the Korean version of GQ? Like, how did that, who I mean, did someone approach you? Yeah, they approached me. I mean, I, that's like, off your good looks. Not my good looks. For sure, not my good looks. I mean, come you on. Same. Serious here. Yeah. I. I mean, this is gonna sound like not humble by any means, but like, I mean, I did win two back-to-back Cy Youngs and an MVP. Mm-hmm. You know, that's pretty pretty famous, I guess. One and would I'm, say. Yeah, one would say. So, and on the biggest, I mean, we're basically on like the Yankees of Korea. So to be on the Yankees, mm-hmm. I was, I, yeah, that was a pretty big deal. So the most hated and most loved. Yeah. Pretty we much. Were. Yeah, we. I mean, we, it was like six years in a row. They went to the Korean series seven years in a row, won four of seven. So. Mm-hmm. And this guy's the best player on the best team, and he's just getting modeling deals left and right, I guess. Deals. Yeah, laying on a beach towel. I, on a... <laughs> were these like, I mean, I have to, Josh, I have to ask, are these like PG rated, PG 13? Oh, like, yeah, I'm in my uniform. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I'm in my uniform. There's one, I mean, the funniest one is they wanted me like, I'm on a like sun tanning. I've got all my, my uniforms on, like, I'm not shirtless or anything. Mm-hmm. And they lay out a beach towel on the mound, and I've got like my hat down like this, and my legs are crossed. <laughs> And I'm like kicked up on the, and I'm like, you want me to do what? You want me to like suntan on the mound? So that was one of them. That's <laughs> I, awesome. Did your, your teammates must have found out about that, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, they loved it. They thought it was yeah. great. <laughs> yeah. was Josh, if there was one thing from the KBO that you could implement in MLB, what would it be? That's a good question. I mean, the schedule, like the the AAA adopted kind of the, the schedule. You know, those Monday off days are awesome. Mm. Yeah. Just when you always have that to look forward to, man, 162 is a lot of games for anybody. Mm-hmm. That's a long time. I'm trying to think what else. I mean, the atmosphere is just fun too. You know, I don't know how you would do like songs for every player, but like walk up songs and stuff. No, like like they make up songs to sing for the players while they're batting. Oh, what, so like every they're... batter has a song that the and home, it's like, playing in the background while they're hitting. The, no, no the fans like, are singing fans it. Are singing the song. So like I'm hitting, I come up, oh we're at God. home, we're on the road, our fans, the entire time that I'm hitting are singing like my song that they've made up. This is news to me. Is this news to wow. you, Liam? That's brand new news to me. Yeah. Wow. wow. It's awesome. So my first game that I pitched in Korea in 2015, I was with Lotte at the time. We were playing LG. So like there were four teams that were like basically like original teams. And Lotte and LG were two of them. Well, we're in Jamshil Stadium, which is like the Olympic Stadium. It's like 30,000 people. Half of the stadium's Lotte. Half of the stadium is LG. And I'm on the mound for my first outing. And like my heart is about to beat out of my chest because the stadium is so loud. Everyone's singing songs. Like every game, like a lot of the games felt like playoff games. They were electric. You must, as a pitcher specifically, you must feed off of that, right? Oh yeah, you, yeah. It was. I mean, it was awesome. You never. And how had long to, did like, you say this season what? was? How many games is this? So season? we we did a minor, basically what it is now in the minor league. So like right. we did a major, we did a minor league number of games yeah. in a major league length season. Mm-hmm. So with all those off days, and uh, it ended up we ended up around the same time with playoffs and everything when mm-hmm. the major league season went in. What's the travel like in Korea, Josh? It's great. Is it? I mean, Korea is South Korea is the size of like Mississippi, Indiana, mm-hmm. Mississippi. So like we would, I would take the train everywhere. So mm-hmm. like you could either take the highway bus or the train. I would take the high speed train. So like I would be at home. Like if we were in Seoul and I had to go to Busan, which was our farthest trip, it was like a two and a half, three hour train ride. Oh. And so like I would stay Sunday. I would stay all day Monday on our off day in Seoul. 
and then I would leave about 10 a.m. on a Monday for a, or Tuesday for a first game. I'm just hop it's on the train. It's not too bad. What's the ballpark food like in Korea? Whew, tough. Can't be tough. tough. Bad? So, yeah. Sometimes oh. it's tough. Yeah. Can okay. be. Squid. Can you elaborate a little? Like, what? Like, I don't really know Korean cuisine. Yeah. Fried squid. Tukboki. You, you ever heard of that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good. You got it? Yeah. So, it's like it. a rice cake. So, it's like a rice cake and this, like, uh, spicy sauce. Squid. I mean, they have hot dogs, pizza, popcorn, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But some of the stuffs, it's dicey. So, so America ballpark food wins. Pre-game, in-game, maybe push. Huh. Post-game, Korean. Ball. So usually after games, what they do is they set up like uh, like mini trash cans with grills, and then they'll grill out. Like they'll do like Korean barbecue outside yeah. of the stadium. It's so like we'd be leaving, and like people would invite us to like eat like beef or whatever. Like a tailgate or, almost. Yeah, it's like a post-game tailgate. Oh, wow. that's pretty neat. Yeah. They're doing it right in Korea. Yeah. That's for sure. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Yeah, so it was fun. It was a lot of fun. We it was, I mean, obviously playing in the big leagues was like a dream for me. Mm-hmm. But some of my best memories probably came in Korea. Josh, was there anything that you, any like instance you can recall, like teaching a Korean teammate something about American culture that was like a, maybe a funnier experience for you? I don't know. No, I I think a lot of the stuff that was funny for us was like so like when we would challenge a coach. And like, not like disrespectfully, but like, we'd be like, no, like you're wrong. Like, like that's a kind of not, it's not a normal occurrence, but like you will see players and coaches kind of like disagree. Sure. And so like, Mm -hmm. we would do that sometimes. And like in Korea, like you would never dream of challenging a coach or somebody older than you yeah. so like guys would guys would be like what like what is their minds would be blown that we're like challenging the coaches so little little cultural differences like that where stuff would kind of get lost in translation that was kind of funny mm-hmm. <laughs> josh all right so let's bring it back to 2011 your major league debut uh-huh. you're with the dodgers was it in Dodger Stadium? In Dodger Stadium, Colorado Rock. Yep. Okay. So you're uh, Don Mattingly, Clayton Kershaw. That's the year he won his first Cy Young. What? Describe that day for me. Well, I got called up and I sat there for like a week and didn't do anything. I think I warmed up like two times, three times. Mm-hmm. Get in the game and my family had been waiting June 1st. I think it was. It was my sister's birthday. And I'm like two pitches in and I have runners on second and third. And mm-hmm. I'm like, this is not going the way that I thought it was going to go. And I got out of it. I didn't give up a run. I'm like, thank God that's over. Like, get that one out of the way. But no, it was, I mean, to make your debut in Dodger Stadium, like Ben Scully calls your debut. I think he said something like, the big right-hander from Lafayette, Indiana. Like, still remember, like, going back and listening to it. Like, to have Ben Scully call your debut on live TV and to have that in Dodger Stadium um, to wear a Dodger uniform. It's a, it was special, really special. It's fairy tale stuff. Yeah, it really is. Well, Josh, I know you weren't with them quite that long, but mm-hmm. is there anything about your time with the Dodgers and, like, being with the pitchers on that staff that you remember, like, about how they worked pregame, postgame, d- throughout the week? Yeah, I mean, the, the cool thing was, like, it was, like, as an organization, the pitching was, like, it was there was a great system. So like when you went from low A to double A to triple A to the big leagues, like, I mean, it was like, you knew what you were going to get every step of the way, you know, working with our bullpen coach, Kenny Howell, uh, pitching coach, Rick Honeycutt. Like these are guys that like, from the time I was drafted, like usually sometimes you won't meet like the major league pitching coach or the bullpen coach until you're like on the cusp. Mm -hmm. Like I knew these guys from the first time that I wore a Dodger uniform in instructional league, like season ends, they would stop by an instructional league. You'd meet, 
beat them. So it was like it was just you knew where you were at like the whole time. And you so are you that. saying that's unique to the Dodgers system? Like you didn't uh, get that everywhere you went? I mean, I really didn't. I mean, it was it was a different scenario for me because like I'd been in the big leagues, but for the most part, like it was just a different like I mean Dodger pitching, like insane. Come like on, Sandy yeah. Koufax is watching my bullpens. Like that's pretty cool. He's like talking to me about my curveball. And I'm like, well, <laughs> it's awesome. <laughs> like they just had like different I mean the lead like the legendary like Dodger players were like always around. And it was just I mean I'm sure I'm sure there's other organizations, maybe the Cubs, the Yankees, Cardinals are like this, but you know, there's probably only like four or five organizations that are like, man, like that's that guy. That's that guy. Mm-hmm. They're around. Like so it was just it was just there was, there was something different about being a Dodger. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Was there any ballpark that if you were to pick one today to pitch one more time in, what would that be? Nashville, right? No, I'm kidding. Wow. No. Oh, wow. I do, wow. I, do love, I do love Nashville. Man, I don't know. I mean, Dodger Stadium's cool. Mm-hmm. Like, there's just, I don't know. Have you guys been to a game at Dodger Stadium? Not yet. Yeah. No. So, like, when you go to Dodger Stadium, I tell people this all the time. I'm like, you feel like you're in the big leagues. Like, it's the one place where you walk in and you're like, the experience. this is the big leagues. Like, they've got third deck. You know, you're you're sunk down in, like, the ravine. Mm-hmm. And, like, you're looking up and you're like, this place is huge. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, 50,000 plus people, whatever it is. Like, probably, actually, if I could pitch in one more game, it would be a... It would be a Dodger Giant game in Dodger Stadium. Absolutely electric. Electric. Wow. Josh, is there one park that you didn't get a chance to pitch in that would so, like to? So the AL East. So I didn't go to Yankee Stadium. I have been to Boston, not as a major league player. Mm-hmm. And then Tampa. So there's only three stadiums. I mean, maybe Yankee Stadium. Okay. Could be one. You've never pitched in Tampa? No. Uh, have you been? I've never been to Tampa. Never <laughs> been to New York. Those are the only two that I've been to. You're not missing anything in Tampa. <laughs> so I've heard. Gross. Um, <laughs> Josh, so actually speaking of Tampa and Nashville, after playing in Nashville for a couple of years, do you think that Nashville is a good place to have a major league baseball team? Oh, man. I don't know. The traffic sucks. It does suck. Well, I don't, I mean, I don't like, I think it'd be great, but I don't know where you'd put the stadium. Like, if you put it downtown, there's like, I don't know where you would put it where people could get to the game with the traffic because traffic's a nightmare around yeah, you would need like a commuter rail system to get because i'm actually yeah. i'm up in boston and okay. we have trains that go by fenway because yeah. we have terrible traffic too but yeah and so but if you, put it like, that. you know if you put it like out like let's say you went like south mm-hmm. it'd be miserable getting south at you know, oh into a God, seven yeah. o'clock game that'd be miserable so i don't yeah i don't know i don't know where you'd put it and like where yeah you you couldn't really put it at first horizon because that's that area is too small this area is too small yeah i saw they're getting a new football stadium so i don't i don't know if they're are they building that where the new one is or the old one is i think it's right around that area right around yeah. there i don't know when I, that's i, I mean i think part. it's a great city but there's already so much to do there that's you know? for sure. so it's like you're competing with so much stuff yeah what's your favorite restaurant you went to in nashville monel's down in germantown hmm. what do you got don't even no comparison not even close that was like that yeah, what do you yeah. you answered before you even finished the question yeah. oh yeah i mean <laughs> so monel's is like a breakfast place m-o-n-e-l-l-s there's one in germantown there's one somewhere else i would always go to he's writing this down he's he'll be there first thing tomorrow morning you need to like it it's like a 48 hour fast before you go into this place okay write that write that down to 48 hour fast make sure you get that you go in, you don't order. They bring everything out. You sit with like, it's like community style. So you sit with random people you don't know. Atmosphere is cool. It's fun. <gasps> Do they cook it in front of you here? No, they bring that's it. Like, it's, uh, it's like an old house. Okay. Well, that's that's um, cool. You're thinking of uh, the monkey place. Not frothy monkey, but the pancake place. Is that what you're talking about? I think so. You're talking about the pancake I, place. 
I don't know, man. I really I haven't. All the I don't even think you know what you're yeah. talking about. No. <laughs> No, but it's no, like no. so they bring out it's like biscuits and gravy, bacon, ham, sausage, fried chicken, pancakes, cinnamon rolls, like fried apples, so bread casserole. I mean, it's like you leave, yeah. you don't eat the rest of the day. It sounds like a 48 hour yeah. fast. It would be so. Usually, I would go, I think they opened up at eight, I would go at eight the days after my starts, and that was the only meal I would have like all day. Hmm. Okay, Josh, did you have like a pregame ritual, like a superstition or anything throughout your career? Uh, not really. I mean, I would take a nap. Was, okay. like, I, don't know, I don't know if it was a ritual or it was more for me. Is like I just got so bored during the day sitting around. Mm-hmm. I was like, I'm just going to kill a couple hours and nap. What time would you get to the ballpark for a six o'clock game? So I would get there about right about four o'clock. So I always like whenever I my routine, I hated sitting around, especially mm-hmm. on the day that I started. So it was like I was showing up. I was getting changed and I was pretty much getting ready to go as soon as I got there. Mm-hmm. Like I would usually get there. I'd get changed. BP would be finishing up. We'd go over the lineup and then I would start getting ready. How about that, Matt? No nonsense type of guy. Yeah. Yeah. Right down to business. Right down. (laughs) Josh, so what now that you're retired, what do you do to unwind and just like relax and enjoy life other than uh coach your kids? I've got too many irons in the fire right now. So one of the things that I always did when I was playing was I always like finished my education. So I finished my bachelor's degree, I finished my master's degree. And then last year during the season I started a doctoral program. So for you, I've got that doctor of business administration. So what do you think you want to start to do in your spare time? Uh, Well, I got to read way too much right now. I know that. So there you uh, go. Josh, would you ever see yourself in like front office role or like an agent role? I don't know. I think that's part of this new role with the brewers that I'm trying to figure out like kind of what it is, what it isn't. I have time. Well, I don't think they know you're retired yet. Yeah, I got to submit my papers. You got to put in your paperwork. (laughs) Well, they hired me without me me submitting my papers. So that's on them. Maybe they submitted them for me. I just don't know. Um, <laughs> Maybe that was part of the process. Yeah. Do you hunt or fish or anything? Uh, yeah, I used I used to hunt quite a bit before we had kids. You guys probably don't have kids yet, but once you have kids, all your activities, you end up coaching basketball eight nights a week is what happens. <laughs> so get your hunting in now. Which one of your kids is the best athlete? Uh, that's a tough question. They're like – They're going to listen to this, so you got to pick. No, yeah. all, I mean, honestly, they're all really good athletes. I'm not just saying that. Like, that's not dad coming it's out. That's the best answer. Coming yeah, from they're all great athletes. They all listen, which is a positive. But our youngest, our 18-month-old, is a psychopath. <laughs> and might be, I mean, like no fear. This kid's a mountain, like climbs everything. Like he's shown the most promise at that stage in his life out of all of our kids. Like our other kids were kind of like baby giraffes, still are kind of. <laughs> but like he's at 18 months, like he's he's pretty mm-hmm. pretty good. Wow. So Josh, we're probably gonna wrap up soon, but uh, before we do that, I want to read you something one of your teammates sent me last week, if that's all geez. right. So you have to guess who it is. Yeah, you're gonna guess after. Right. Playing with Josh was such an incredible experience. Both on and off the field, he exuded qualities of leadership, discipline, and resilience. He was a physical and spiritual leader. Josh impacted so many men in our clubhouse, from leading Bible study and chapel to offering experience on the mound. He was such a strong example of how how a man should carry himself, compete, and love Jesus. One of my favorite memories from this past season was when Josh invited me to play golf at a little municipal course on one of our off days. We got to play a fun round of golf, and I got to pick his brain about on-field experiences, being able to balance baseball and family, and relive cool memories from the course of the year. It was an absolute honor and pleasure getting to play with Josh, and I give him so much thanks for helping me grow as a baseball player, a man, and a Christian. Man, uh, that's... 
first, that's awesome. And second, I took so many people to this golf course that that just threw a wrench in it. And like that was like our spot. It was a uh, little, it was, it's called Vinny Links. I don't know if you're have so, heard of it. I'll check it out too. Let me write that down. Was, that one down was, the, the, the running joke was like, I was a member of Vinny Links. And Vinny okay. Links was like, it was like a $6 par three, just goat ranch. Okay. And so like, what's your record at the course? Oh, I don't know. We we're spraying balls everywhere. <laughs> I love the uh, honesty. Best golfer on the sounds. Huh? Who's the best golfer? Yeah. Al LaBeouf, hands down. Wow. Okay. Not even close. Not even close. Got it. Yeah. Oh man. So I'm trying to think. I think, I mean, I think I took Wes Wilson there. Sounds like Wes, maybe, possibly. But I, Wes might... did give me a quote about you, but that wasn't him. Yeah, I would say that wasn't Wes. I don't, I don't know if Wes got invited to the member guest at Vinny Lakes. Ooh. He was always playing at the nice courses. He didn't want to go. <laughs> Man. I thought, based off your initial reaction, you knew who it was when we said do. golf. But now you're saying well, that you took everyone there. We, so. Yeah, like Jamie Westbrook. So when Jamie Westbrook got traded, mm -hmm. we would like we Jamie and I were there probably once a week. Really? Like, we'd go all the time. Every and Monday? So, yeah. And so when we when we uh, I bought Jamie a Vinny Lynx hat and took it to him in Toledo as a little memento. <laughs> um, man, I'm trying to think. Yeah, you don't want to be wrong. Hobie? Was it Hobie? It was. You got Hobie. it. Hobie. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Nice. Yeah, we met. Yep. Hobie, yeah. Nice. Yeah, Hobie's awesome. Yeah, I love Hobie. Yeah. Are you guys uh, tight? Like, do you have a relationship off field still? Yeah, he, yeah uh, we talk. Yeah, I talk to him every now and then. So follow. Glad he's, he's at Nationals now. Yep. So he, I mean, I, he deserves an opportunity to pitch in the big leagues. <laughs> I, so. I think he'll get that this year. Yeah. Yeah. He was close yeah. last year. He was close last year. He was real close. He threw the heck out of the ball. Mm -hmm. Josh, I have I have one more for you. So I'll put you on the spot here. Uh, what three? If you could pick three main pillars of advice that you'd give to a 17 or 18 year old that was once in your shoes that's getting D1 offers with pro potential, uh -huh. if you were to pick three main things, uh, D1 offers with pro potential. Yeah. What would, what advice would you give um, like a 17, 18 year old kid? So the I mean I think the first one would be is that at that point in your life it's about direction, it's not about destiny. And so what I mean by that is okay. like a lot of people at a younger age think it's about what's the one thing, like what's the thing, what's it going to be? And at that stage it's about what what direction am I heading? Like all the other stuff will kind of figure itself out along the way. The second one would be the game. I had a coach tell me this one time. He said the game never forgets it's a game. We do. Wow. And so you're always like, that's all. The one thing I always had to remind myself was this is a game. Like, yes, it seems like there's a lot writing on it. But at the end of the day, like it is a game. You should um, write that one down, Liam. Yeah. I was about to, but I didn't want to get called out for it. Thanks. Oh, no, write it down. Uh, <laughs> and then the third one would be ask questions. There's about a hundred of them, but I would say ask questions. Sure. That's great. Yeah, ask questions. Thanks for that. We appreciate it, Josh. Actually, Josh, one more quick thing, and then I promise we'll let You're you good. go. You gotta get I've got it. nothing. I don't have basketball until Saturday morning, so you got me till Ooh. Saturday yeah, morning. An off day. What are you doing on the off day tomorrow? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah, what are we doing? yeah, the off day. I might, might sleep in until like 7 before I take my kids to school. <laughs> sleep in. Yeah. Josh, you have a charity, right? Yeah. Um, where can people go? Just tell us a little bit about it and where people can go to find that. Man, we haven't been as active lately. Primarily just been my wife and I. We used to run fundraisers every off season, but just with kids, we haven't had time. So Josh Lindblom Foundation, uh, I think it's just joshlindblomfoundation.com is what it, what it is. But our focus over the last probably six years has been with 
our daughter's children's hospital. So her heart surgeon, um, he goes to, he makes two mission trips every year, goes to Jordan um, and performs uh, heart surgeries for two, for like 10 days on Syrian refugee children. So we actually got to go with him before, right before COVID. And so every year we help fund that trip for him to take a team of people to Jordan. And every time it's probably between 10 and 14 heart surgeries that if these kids didn't have them, they would, they would die. And so like we were there, we went, I was in the operating room for like four or five heart surgeries. So that was a pretty, pretty amazing experience to be, to be in Jordan with them. But this is, I mean, that's he, his only vacation time. He gets four weeks of vacation every year and all four weeks are spent doing open heart surgeries. That's amazing. incredible. Yeah. Amazing. Absolutely incredible. So that's been our focus worries. over the last like six years since our, because our daughter was born with a congenital heart defect mm-hmm. and she's had two open heart surgeries. So that's kind of like been our focus over the last few years. How's she doing now? She's awesome. Good. Yeah. Falling yeah. out. Like with, uh, yeah, with, with, with heart stuff, it's like no news is good news. Mm-hmm. So right now there's no news, no changes. So absolutely. Well, Josh Lindblom foundation.com. I believe, yeah, that's bad. I should know that. <laughs> All right, Josh, we'll put it in the show notes too. Josh Lindblom foundation.com. Josh, we really appreciate you stepping in the box with us and yeah. taking some time to chat and yeah, we will talk cool. to you soon. Appreciate y'all. Thank you. Thanks, Josh. Godspeed.